Well, we have arrived. It's day 20, scripture number 20, on this July the 2nd, 2022. And I have arrived at this day with some very conflicting emotions. I am conflicted about even continuing this study, and I'm conflicted on even doing a live broadcast on July the 2nd. It's 4th of July weekend, so nobody's going to be listening, so I'm conflicted, but we'll work through all of those conflicting emotions, well, after we officially begin this live broadcast. Welcome, everyone. Buckle up. We never know what's going to happen. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Theology Central Podcast. Welcome to another episode in our ongoing series that we are calling 30 Scriptures in 30 Days. It is Saturday, July the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 12.42 p.m. Central Time. I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas on this 4th of July weekend. And well, right there at the beginning, I said I was conflicted because, well, who's going to be listening on 4th of July weekend, and well, someone already jumped in in the live chat and said that they are here and they're ready to learn. Well, that just adds another conflicting emotion because I, I, I'm afraid you may not learn anything. Wow. Did you hear yesterday's live broadcast? Did you hear it? I, wow. Wow. That one really, that one messed me up. That one got to me. That one really bothered me. I, when it was all said and done, when the, when the live broadcast ended, I, I grabbed the laptop, I grabbed my iPad, I went downstairs, and I was just like, what happened? That was a train wreck. And so I went back and started listening to it. I'm like, okay, well, okay. It came across, certain things came across a little bit better than I thought, but then I'm like, I could have been a little bit more clear in what I was trying to do. Maybe I tried to be a little too clever and, and tried to, yeah. And, and so then I was kind of beating myself up and then I'm like, man, but that, that, I mean, it wasn't my fault. I mean, the, the if, for those who are brand new, this series, 30 scriptures in 30 days is all happening because many, many years ago, Charles Stanley wrote a book called 30 Life Principles. That book became a Bible, the Life Principle Bible. It became a study guide. And I came in contact with it, and I've always been somewhat baffled by the principles that he gives and the scriptures that supposedly teach those principles. And I have said it now over and over and over. In my opinion, I cannot be dogmatic, but in my opinion, he came up with the principles and he he basically forced them. He imposed them on the scripture because in many cases, the scriptures not only don't teach what these principles claim. Well, yesterday, the scripture actually taught something completely opposite to what the principle that he gave claimed. And it was so just like the disconnect was so great. I was just like, what do I, what do, I do with this? What do I do with this? Now, I know it's my own fault. Look, I understand. 
All right. Sometimes I come up with ideas that the I, that anyone who hears the idea, like if I was to have a, a group of people, I'm like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do next week, starting on the podcast. Like if I had a team of people, I'm like, here is my idea. Everyone in the room would be like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Do not do that. We are recommending, we are suggesting, we're ordering you not to do that. But when you're in an empty room... <laughs> And it's only, hey, me, myself, and I having the discussion. Well, me, myself, and I, we always tend to agree. And they're like, hey, that, that's, that's a wonderful idea. So I thought the idea was, was, was brilliant, right? Here we go. I'll just turn on the microphone live, impromptu, real time. I'll just open the book, 30 Life Principles, go, here's the principle, here's the scripture, and then try to figure it out in real time with no prep. Right? That will be fun. That will be exciting. It will give me like a, an adrenaline rush trying to be on the air and trying to figure it out. It's like being up on a, you know, a tightrope between two buildings, 20 stories up and one wrong step and boom, I come crashing down to my own demise. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting until, well, you actually get up there and then you're like, why? Why am I up here? What am I doing? I'm live on the air and I've got to figure this out. And now I am hit with, well, Here's a scripture that you really can't do anything with. Here, here's a principle that has no connection to that scripture. And then you're just supposed to go, okay, I've, I've got to, I got to do something. So I stumbled. I struggled to try to come up with a plan with an idea in real time. And it ended up taking, first of all, it went over an hour, which I wanted these to be around 30 to 40 minutes. So, th so that was failure number one. Failure number two, there was a lot of just stumbling and struggling, trying to figure out exactly how to process it. That was problem number two. And problem number three, the finished product, I don't think was really that productive or that beneficial. So, so it basically was a failure. So, so when I got up today, I'm like, oh man, oh man. Okay, it's 4th of July weekend. Come on, nobody's going to be listening. But then I'm like, what? But, but you've got it. I mean, you said you're going to do 30 scriptures in 30 days. You can't. You can't take a break. You can't, you can't, there's no vacation. You said this, you've got to do this. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go up there and do some other recordings and, and ease into it. But I'm like, I, the only thing I can think about right now are 30 scriptures in 30 days because of how bad yesterday went. I'm like, so maybe I just, that's it. I'll just won't do another one. And most likely 95% of the people are not even going to ask. You never finished that series. Most people are just going to move on and not care, but I'll know. So here I am, conflicted. <laughs> and and I already and look I I I cheated a little bit I I I'm just going to be honest with you I already opened the Kindle app and at least saw where the scripture came from I opened to that chapter and got ready to start reading the verses I read maybe the first couple of words and then I stopped myself I'm like nope nope can't do this I can't I I can't but but I wanted to prepare so that I could be better that I can make this better but that would go against it all right. Okay, so at least one person is telling me that I'm going to finish this, and I greatly appreciate that. I greatly appreciate that because uh, th that's what's going to get me through these next 10 um, is people like that saying, hey, no, no, I'm going to ask you to finish this. All right, that's that's good. You'll, you'll, you'll hold me accountable, and I'll, I'm going to do my very best. I just I feel, I just feel a, a lot of pressure to make sure I deliver something of value, right? Because these, the, the further we get into this book, the more they just become so disjointed. It, it's so just bizarre. Like, I, I, I asked the question yesterday, where were the people, the people who edited the book, they didn't go back to Charles Stanley and like, look, day 19, that scripture and that principle, the, the scripture does not teach that. It's not even saying the same thing. You, you think somebody would have said, this is just, but nobody did. And well, it got published and well, it's been used by everyone. It would, I would love to be in small groups or Sunday school classrooms when that was said and, and see if anyone raised their hand and go, that, that scripture, it doesn't work. But I don't know. I guess once sometimes when we start imposing something on scripture, we can make it work. But are you ready? I know you're not here to listen to me spend 15 minutes talking about my conflicted emotions, right? You're, you're not here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lay down on the floor and you can just be there with a notepad as my counselor. And then you can send me your analysis of all of my mental problems. No. Okay. 
we, I, we won't, I won't waste your time doing that. Are you ready? Here we go. We are on day 20. I am still shocked. We, I think day 19 was the biggest train wreck. I think that was maybe the worst. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm somewhat surprised that it took 18 days before the train wreck really occurred. I think we had some close calls in day one through 18, but day 19 is where the train wreck occurred. Now, all we can do is put the, try to put the pieces back together and see if we can get all the way to the station, right? I'm going to try to, I'm going to continue to, to use this metaphor as much as I can. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Day number 20. In the Life 30 Life Principles book and in the Life Principles Bible, right, um, this is the principle that is given, written by Charles Stanley years ago. Disappointments are inevitable. Dis- discouragement is a choice. Disappointments are inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. Disappointments are inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. Now, it's somewhat ironic, isn't it? It's somewhat funny. We could argue maybe it's divine providence that I read that principle on this day when yesterday was such a disappointment, at least in my mind, at least to me. I don't know how others felt about it, but it was an extreme disappointment to me. And I was discouraged. And what Charles Stanley wants me to know is like disappointments are inevitable. They're going to happen in life. But being discouraged, that is your own choice. Now, that's, that's a very interesting principle, and we could talk about it. Now, the question is, and remember, this is the issue with this entire book. Sometimes these principles sound good. Sometimes the principles may even actually be theological and biblical. The problem is the scriptures he claims are where he found or are the scriptures that supposedly support his principles. The ones he chooses in many cases, it doesn't support it. In fact, in many cases, it contradicts it. So I'm really, once again, perplexed because that, that's a very interesting principle, right? Disappointment, it's going to happen. Discouragement, that you, you think of it this way. Most of the case, and most, not in every situation, in many situations, you have no control over the disappointments you experience. They're beyond your control. They're beyond anything you can do. You're just kind of the victim of the disappointment. That is true. You don't really have any say-so in many disappointments. Some is as a result of our own foolishness, but you get the idea. However, what you do with that disappointment, how you let that disappointment impact you, that is somewhat up to you. So like, for example, today, I have to take yesterday's disappointment, leave it, in ye- leave it there in the past, and then in the present, get back up and do what I can. So that, that, there's a lot of interesting concepts there. The question is, what scripture is he going to give us to try to prove that point? And this is where things, this is where things begin to unravel. Once again, it's from the Old Testament. That's, that's his, that's what he's done with every one of these principles. Once again, he sometimes pulls scriptures. And when I say obscure, in other words, not passages well known. And sometimes he just pulls them way, just like right from the middle of a chapter. And that's what we have here again. Charles Stanley, for his principle, disappointments are inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. He pulled it from the book of Habakkuk, chapter three, verses 17 through 19. The book of Habakkuk, chapter three, verses 17 through 19. All right, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. I, I'm just, I just keep saying that over and over in my mind because I'm like, Habakkuk, really? We're going to go to a minor prophet and, and we're just going to jump. Let's see, how many, how many verses are in chapter 3? Uh, okay, so, he just, so we're in chapter 3, Habakkuk chapter 3. If you notice, so Habakkuk chapter 3, that's the last chapter of the book. And note this. He grabs verse 17 through 19. Those are the last three. So he grabbed the last three verses of a book. Just, just there they go. And this supposedly proves that disappointments are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. 
Oh, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Here we go. Here we go. Habakkuk chapter 3, starting verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. All right, let's stop right here. This seems to, it is explaining or describing a situation where there's going to be some serious disappointments, right? Because the fig tree is not going to blossom, uh, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Sounds like it's going to be a time of great disappointment. Right there, so maybe that's why he pulled from it. Hey, this describes a period of disappointment. Now, once again, though, we've got whenever we see this, remember these historical narratives and these situations where it's describing something, and in particular in Habakkuk, is it prophesying a time of, of disappointment? Is it is it describing one? And it, even if it's predictive or if it's descriptive then we've got to figure out how is it, is it prescriptive to any, any way, shape, or form about things per, pertaining to our life or applicable in any way, shape, or form, All right? So we have a disappointment. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. All right, so now this we see at least this one has some connection. I'm still worried a little bit about the historical context, trying to figure that out. But okay, at least we have something. Verse 17 clearly gives us a description of something that would be extremely disappointing, right? We could go through all of them. But the response to that disappointment is yet, I love that, yet. Here's the reality. It's not a denial of the reality. It's not a pretending that this disappointment is not there. It's just, it's an acknowledgement that this t disappointment that Habakkuk is describing, it's, it's either, it's happening, going to happen. Again, we have to figure out some things here. But yet, yet, I'm not denying it, but yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my, my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine hide places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. All right. Okay. I, there, there's some things we could do here. There's some things we can do here. Now, we could just work on this. Part of me wants to do that. But the one good thing I do like about the study guide for the 30 Life Principles, even though he pulls things from very obscure places, he, they do offer at least a small paragraph of some historical context. Now, in many of the examples, they give a little bit of historical context and then immediately disregard it and almost ignore it. Like, like, hey, see, I mentioned historical context. Well, if you mention it, but you ignore it, that, that, that's of no value. But let's see what they have to say in regards to this. They don't say a lot, but this is what they have to say. The prophet Habakkuk ministered in Judah from 612 BC to 588 BC before and during the Babylonian invasion. The prophet Habakkuk ministered in Judah, 612 B.C. to 588 B.C., before and during the Babylonian invasion. Now, we do have to, we can't ignore this. The reason the Babylonian invasion occurred is because of Judah's rebellion and ungodliness. So I just want to make sure we understand this. His Remember his principle, disappointments are inevitable. I do believe disappointments are inevitable. But in this particular case, when you go to the book of Habakkuk, the disappointments they were going to face was a result of God's chastisement. I think that we can't just ignore that, right? Judah is going into Babylonian captivity because of their wickedness, because of their rebellion, because there is God's chastisement upon them. There's judgment. 
I don't think we can always just say, well, disappointments are inevitable in life. They are inevitable. You're going, look, no matter what's going on in your life, you're going to face some level of disappointments. But there are times that our disappointments are directly related to our own sin and rebellion and foolishness. I don't think we can just overlook that historical part of this. I don't think we can just overlook this. I'm going to read a little bit more here what they have to say. Um. See, they want us to go. I'm going to look here. I'm going to be very careful before I tell you to look at something here. I'm going to look here. Uh, All right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll just do this. Go to Zephaniah chapter one. Zephaniah chapter one. And this is the question they ask, all right? So we're just going to work a little bit through this because I want to try to provide some kind of context so we have a clue what's going on, all right? So let's remind ourselves. Habakkuk ministered in Judah 612 BC to 588 BC. And he does so before and during the Babylonian invasion. Now remember, the Babylonian invasion is occurring because of Judah's sin and wickedness. This is chastisement upon God, all right? Or this is chastisement brought upon them by God. I think we can all agree on that. Now, What they do in the study guide is they ask this question. They tell us to read Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. So let's read it. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume uh, man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon upon Judah, upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will uh, cut off all the remnant of Baal from this place. Uh, let's see where else they want us to look. They want verse five and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. And them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. All right. So he's going to bring judgment. And it it looks like uh, there's some false worship going on. Okay. It's just a weird passage they tell us to go to. They say, what was happening in Judah before the Babylonians invaded? I'm assuming they're wanting us to mention the, the, the mention of Baal. Uh, 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 Chimarims, the Chimarims with the priest is mentioned in verse four. Then in verse five, those that worship the host of heaven, them that worship and swear uh, by the Lord, that swear by Malcolm. I'm assuming what they want us to talk about, what was happening in Judah was idolatry and false worship. I'm assuming that's what they want us to see here. So in Zephaniah 1, 2 through 6, what was happening in Judah before the Babylonians invaded appeared to be the spread of false religion and idolatry, right? Then they want us to go back to Habakkuk. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna struggle through this. We're gonna go back to Habakkuk. We will work together. Gotta go back to Habakkuk. Here we go. They want us to look at verses one through six. Okay, so Habakkuk chapter one, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence and thou will not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity? And cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Right? So, what they asked the question what was Habakkuk's reaction to the idolatry, immorality, and injustice that he saw daily in the nation? Well, his, he's upset. He's, got, he, he's basically, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Habakkuk is like, I keep crying out to you, God, to do something about the horrible situation I see around me, the idolatry, the immorality, the injustice, do something. And then God's re- reply is in verse 5 of Habakkuk chapter 1. Behold, ye among the heathen 
Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard and uh, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your day which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. So God's response is, okay, Habakkuk, you see the evil in your land, you see the wickedness, you see the immorality, you see the idolatry, and you want to know what I'm going to do about it? Here's my solution. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans upon the land. Now, it's probably not what Habakkuk wanted to hear. He's probably like, whoa, 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 no, 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 just, just make everyone better. But no, chastisement and judgment is coming, right? So in other words, disappointment is coming. But remember, this disappointment is coming because of their wickedness and morality and idolatry. Then it tells us to go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that you may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And then they want us to read verse 4. Behold, his soul which uh, is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Right? Now, he says, what does God tell Habakkuk to write to write down? His judgment concerning Babylon. Well, his judgment concerning Babylon, Babylon appears to be Habakkuk 2, verses 2 through 3. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. And then verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but, uh, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not uh, tarry. So, in other words, this thing is going to happen. This is going to happen, right? They, they don't really offer a lot of information here. And what, uh, in verse 4, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith, right? And then, then they get to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, they interpret it as this, I don't know. Now, this is where we take a little bit of time. I think maybe, I think I could, we could argue this. All right, so let's do this. Do a little bit of uh, interpretive challenge, all right? And Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, which is the scripture that Charles Stanley just ripped out of context. Now, the study guide tries to put it in some kind of context, but the only problem is while they're trying to put it in context, they completely ignore the fact that Charles Stanley wants the principle to be disappointment is inevitable and completely ignoring the fact that all the disappointments they're getting ready to encounter was the, were, you could argue, was avoidable if they would have been following God. Now, we could get back to God's sovereign decree. We can get into a whole discussion there. But the point is, this is not, they are not victims of circumstances. They are experiencing the judgment and chastisement of God. So once again, he, he has a principle that ignores the context of the scripture. And I, I want to make sure I drive this point home. Sometimes our disappointment is a result of our own sin and foolishness, and we have to acknowledge that. Some, it's very easy to always see the disappointments we experience as being the fault of someone else. They did this to me. They did that to me. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Now, sometimes we may be the victim, but sometimes we have to see our own responsibility in the disappointments that we face. We have to acknowledge our, our responsibility in the disappointment. He, th this entire study guide ignores that entire concept. In Habakkuk, Judah is going to face times of great disappointment brought on upon them by the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. They're, 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 there's going to be this great time of, of judgment. We know the Babylonian captivity lasts for 70 years. I think I, I, we can't just ignore that. We just can't ignore that. I think that's very important. All right? 
I almost want to write that principle. Do we write that principle down? What do you think? What do you think? I know it, it's not directly found here, but it's definitely found in the context. So, so I'm kind of breaking a little bit of a rule, but I'm going, I'm going to go with this because I think it's important. And it, put it this way. If, it, if this doesn't speak to you today, it speaks to me. It speaks to me. All right. So number 36, if you're keeping count. We must see and acknowledge our responsibility in the disappointments we experience. All right. Now, okay, good. Someone said, someone else said use it. Okay, good. Okay, we must see and acknowledge. We have to see it and acknowledge our responsibility and the disappointments we experience. I'll try my best to explain this in a way that will make sense. All right. Now, if you know anyone, anything about my past, you know, I was, I was raised in a very messed up family uh, and a lot, I could go through horrible, horrible stories and it, it, it's all bad. And there, when I first became a Christian, even though my situation was bad, I, and, and, and I, and, and rightly so, it would have been very fair for me to say, look, it's not, what has happened to me is not right. I could definitely felt like a victim. And I, and there were plenty of things that was not my fault. And I was a victim. And I don't think that is any way wrong to acknowledge or say that because it is true, but I become a Christian. All right. So I, I live in a very, 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 very small town in West Texas, right? In fact, at that time, well, we lived in Buffalo Gap, Texas. You can look it up on Google if you want. At that time, it was maybe 200 people there, maybe 250 people there. I loved Buffalo Gap, loved growing up there. I didn't like the school experience, but I loved the little town, okay? So I, I grew up in Buffalo Gap. Then we moved between Buffalo Gap and Tuscola, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere and bought a couple of acres of land, and that's where we were living. So I become a Christian, Somewhere, in, right? I think I, I got baptized on the night that we were moving from Buffalo Gap to about three miles, four miles into the middle of nowhere between Buffalo Gap and Tuscola, right? So I get baptized during that move, okay? Now, it did not take long. Some people already kind of knew that, that they didn't know everything about what was happening in, in my life, but they knew that there were some things not, not quite right. There were some things messed up happening. All right. So it didn't take long. I'll just I'll, to make the long story short, it did not take long that I was given opportunities to stand behind a pulpit and give my testimony and speak in regards to the way you're supposed to do. You know, you, 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 if you were ever taught to give your testimony, OK, talk about your life before your conversion. OK, all the good. Or, no, no, usually not the good. All the bad, all the ugly, all the painful, all the hurt the harm, the depression, every bad thing you can think of because you want to demonstrate the dramatic change. You give the bad, then you give the, you know, the dramatic conversion, and then you talk about how great your life is after. So the bad before, the dramatic conversion, and then the good after, right? Because the concept is you, you want to be able to tell people your story. They may not believe the Bible. They may reject the Bible, but they can't argue with your story, right? Because you're like, nope, this was my life. Here's my conversion. Here's my life now. See, Christianity works, all right? And so, and we could get into a lot of questions about how that is all structured, but I was encouraged, encouraged to give that testimony. Not only was I encouraged, I was coached to at certain points that tell that story right here. That's the that's the part where it would be good to cry. Like I was really coached and I was taken to different churches at different parts of, of small town Texas telling my story, right? And guess what I did in telling that story? Oh, I revealed some family secrets that probably no, nobody in my family would want revealed or expressed, especially in a little small town. Well, you can imagine what happened, right? I told the stories. 
The stories get back to my parents. They feel betrayed. They feel hurt. They feel humiliated. They feel ashamed, which only created more disappointment and pain and heartache and frustration in my life, which it ultimately implodes and everything falls completely and utterly apart. And I end up having to live with a different family. And it's bad. And trust me, I felt great disappointment. I felt depression. I felt hurt. I felt victimized. I felt that I was trying to do the right thing for God. And this is the way I'm treated. I'm being persecuted for, I, man, I was the victim. I was the victim. Now, it took a long time as I've gotten older to now look back and go, hmm, you know what? I got to see and acknowledge my responsibility and the disappointments that I experienced, because I had some responsibility there. Now, yes, those spiritually spiritual leaders over me should have been like, you know what? It's probably not good to, because that's going to get back to you. Like they, 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 I mean, you would think the adults in the situation would have been like, you know what? It's probably not good to tell that story because it's going to get back to your mom and dad, and that's probably not going to help them. It's going to be just going to create no. They saw me as, you know, ooh, that story is good. Let's go to this church and tell it. And so the more little churches I told it into, the more the information got back to my mom and dad. Now, some of you are saying, well, that was your story to tell. Yeah, but it, just think about it from just a, a uh, it, it wasn't the right thing to do. It wasn't the right thing to do. And, and so I have to now live for the rest of my life that I was responsible for some of it. I played a role in that disappointment. Oh, I think the way they reacted was completely not right. And in some ways it made me mad that they, they were more upset about how it made them look. I understand that. You could say it was selfish, but still, it wasn't the right thing to do. It, the motive may have been right. The, I, the, maybe the desire was right. And, and I wanted to be used by God for God. And I was told this is the way to do so. So I, So my motives may have been right. But there was a responsibility in it. There was a responsibility in it that cannot be denied. Oh, I denied it for years. But now once I, I, I've, I've, you know, years removed from it, I can sit back and go, wow, man. Hmm. That was my fault. Okay, I, I definitely didn't. Have, I'm not saying that there, there's no blame on their part. I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm saying that there's a balance here. And sometimes when it, it like... It just makes me mad that in this study guide, like Judah's responsibility here, it's almost just seen like, hey, disappointment's inevitable. It was inevitable. They were going to face Babylonian captivity. It was just going to happen. Now, maybe if you want to get up and talk about the eternal decrees from God, we can get into all of that. But then if you, if you mean, you could then argue, so then they weren't responsible. No, from a biblical perspective, yes, God's eternal decree, God's uh, divine providence, we understand all of that, his purposes, but still Judah was responsible. So their disappointment that they're facing, they are responsible for it because of their idolatry, their, in, their immorality, their, their injustice. They, they, there is a part of it. And so many times in our life, maybe the disappointment has something to do with what we have done. No, we should not. Look, we should not blame ourselves when there, we shouldn't be blamed, we, but we shouldn't excuse ourselves when we shouldn't excuse ourselves. There, there always has to be a proper balance in how we approach these things. There's disappointment in your life and my life, and we are responsible. We, we play, there's some level of responsibility that we have to acknowledge in that disappointment. Now, that, that may make you feel even worse. That may make you feel, well, then you could argue, it can make you even more discouraged but it's just, we have to start, we have to always be willing to see what we have done, what we have done, what did we do? And it's hard to do that because it's so much easier to say what everyone else has done, whatever. But it usually, usually for, look, whenever there's blame to go around, there's usually plenty for us, right? There's usually plenty for us. I, I hope that makes sense. Now, so there's a principle. Here's what I want to do. According to the study guide, they seem to interpret Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, as being the words of Habakkuk, right? And the way they state it here is this. 
all right? They state it this way. How does Habakkuk respond to God? So in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, they say that that records the words of Habakkuk as being the one saying, this is how I'm going to respond to you. I don't understand this. Does that make sense? Now, you could argue, well, Habakkuk wasn't responsible for Judah's sin. You could argue in that particular case. So if you only apply it to Habakkuk, then you could argue, hey, in this case, he He's not, he doesn't have, he doesn't bear any responsibility for this disappointment. You could try to argue it from that perspective and it may work, maybe. But what I want to do here is just challenge this. What, what, where would you look to prove that the one speaking in verse 17 through 19, that it is Habakkuk speaking about himself? All right, so let's just back up and see what we can find. All right, verse 16, when I heard... My belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh upon up un, unto the people, he will invade them with the troops. This seems to be Habakkuk in verse 16, expressing his emotions when he hears this news of what's going to happen. When he hears this, please note, he says, his belly trembled, his lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into his bones. He trembled in himself. I mean, clearly he had a strong emotional response to this. All right, that's 16, 15. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horse, though the, through the heap of great waters. Verse 14, thou didst strike through with his staves, the head of his villages, they came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Verse 13, I know we're going backwards, but that's okay. I'm doing this on purpose. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou wounded the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. All right, go back to verse 12. Thou didst march through the land and in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Now, this seems to be, I'm trying to understand what's going on here. Okay, we'll, we'll just back up a little bit more. Verse 11, the sun and moon stood still and their habitation at the light of thine arrows. They went out, they went and the shining of thy glittering spear, verse 10, the mountains saw thee, and they trembled thee, overflowing of the water passed by, the deep uttered his voice, and lifted up his hands on high, okay, verse 9, the bow was made quiet naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah, thou didst cleave the earth with rivers, Right. Go back to verse eight. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Not, not again. A little bit. What's happening? Let's go back to seven. I saw the tents of Cushan and affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Verse six. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. Uh, the perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Verse 5, before him went his pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. These are just like, that's why, I, notice the study guide, they didn't even bother to offer any context to any of these words or even explain this. Verse 4, and his brightness was the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. That doesn't really help us. Verse 3, God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, his glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. Verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known and wrath remember mercy. And then verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon a Shigaonoth, Shigaonoth, all right? Uh, so 
This is a prayer of, Habb- of Habakkuk. I'm going to read this in another track. So we can say this. Habakkuk chapter 3 is a prayer of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is speaking. All right? That, there's plenty there that we don't understand. We don't understand. And the study guide avoids even referencing most of these verses. It doesn't acknowledge them. It doesn't reference them. It, do, it, do, it just wants us to look at verses 17 through 19. However, we have to at least have some understanding of what's going on here. I'm going to look at it in a different Bible. All right, give me one second. I'm going to go to Habakkuk and a different Bible. If I can get to the minor prophets here. There's still in the major prophets. Here we go. Get to the minor prophets. Still here. Okay, now getting closer. Okay, I'm getting to some of the minor prophets here. Okay, keep going, keep going. I'm getting closer. Getting closer. Getting closer. Oh, did I skip it? Did I skip it? Here we go. There we go. There's Habakkuk. All right. Now, uh, okay, a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk according to Shigaonath. All right. And let's see, does it offer any idea? So perhaps this is how they describe uh, verse one. Perhaps this was a passionate song with rapid changes of rhythm. All right. So this is a kind of a, it's a prayer. It's a song of Habakkuk. Okay. And then we have everything that takes place here. And there's lots of expressing a lot of different things, and we could try to break it down. The last thing I want to do, remember I said that's the thing I could not do in these, is I could not try to, you know, you want to start, hey, next week we'll start a verse-by-verse study of Habakkuk. That's almost what I want to do. But now we go down to verse 17. So here, we're going to go down to verse 16. So all the things Habakkuk talks about in this prayer or this song, all right. He mentions lots of things. He mentions the power of God. He mentions destruction. He mentions he mentions certain places. A lot of things are described here. But when it's all said and done, we end up with these couple of verses where maybe we can derive a principle here. So here we go. I heard and trembled within. My lips quivered at the sounds. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. So Habakkuk understands judgment is coming and invasion is coming. He knows that. We have enough information. We have enough information to know this. We have enough information to know this, that Habakkuk ministered in Judah before and during the Babylonian invasion. So he knows it's coming. And he's waiting for it. He's trembling. He is fearful. He is concerned. He may not like it. He may not understand it, but he knows it's coming. That seems to be what is being described here to the best of our ability to figure this out. Now, he acknowledges that when this happens, well, some things like this could occur. Or or he seems to be completely understand this is what's going to occur. Though the fig leaf does not bud, or maybe he's just saying this in a hypothetical, hey, not only is this nation coming against us, even if the fig tree does not bud, even if there is no fruit on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, even though the field produces no food, and though the flocks disappear from the pens, and there are no herds in the stall, even if there's no plant... plants uh, life to sustain us, even no animal. If everything fails, complete economic collapse, the food chain completely shuts down. They have no provision. They're in the worst possible place that they could be, invaded and starving with no provision. Even if they end up in that kind of a horrible situation, he says, I I love this, yet... I will celebrate in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. It says celebrate in this translation. This other one says, um, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. 
So what can we do? Let's work on a principle here. Now, I'm tempted here. I'm tempted here. Because do we, there's two ways we could, well, if I had people here, I, I know I have one person listening, so maybe they'll answer this. We have two possible directions to go here, right? We could go a very generic way. Look, when life hits you, when, when the, food supply, the food supply goes completely bad, economic crisis, there's just everything goes, your life is just hit with one disappointment after another disappointment, one, one ho- bit of bad news after another. When everything seems to go wrong in your life, you face that with rejoicing in the Lord. You face that with rejoice and trusting in God, even when everything looks bad. That's one direction we could go. Just We could just say, look, whenever you face horrible, disappointing situations, horrible circumstances, you face it with rejoicing in God. And that's kind of the direction the study guide goes. But I'm tempted to forego that way for this reason. What they are facing is not just bad news and disappointing situations. They're not just a victim of circumstance. They're facing the chastisement of God. So would it be better to say that whenever we face the chastisement of God, we we face it and we respond to it with rejoicing in God? Should we look at this as, should we look at Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 as giving us principles and how to respond to disappointment? Or is it giving us principles and how to respond to chastisement? Do we see it as, hey, this, this is what you do when everything goes wrong? Or no, this is what you do when you are being chastised by God. Now, what you we could it could be argued. I, I'm just anticipating what someone may say. Well, how do we know the difference between just disappointment and chastisement? That's a very good question. In many cases, we don't. All we can ever do when things go bad is say, "Lord, if this is chastisement, then purge me. Do whatever is necessary." But I confess all of my sin. I mean, all you can do is confess your sin and move on. So, I guess in some ways, whether it's dis- disappointment. Whether it's just disappointing circumstances or whether it's chastisement, we have to respond the same way no matter the cause for it. I guess, well, if it's chastisement, it would require confession, right? It would require acknowledgement of sin, yes? It would acknowledge, it would require some kind of repentance. So there would be somewhat of a distinction in how we should respond to both. But since we never know, like, it's not like God gives you a phone call. It's like, hey, I just want you to know. It's not like, you know, it works with Habakkuk. He, he, he's given insight to what's going on, right? We may not know. So it's not like we get a text message going, uh, chastisement will begin in 30 minutes and it's beginning because you've done the following 10 things and you will not repent of them. We don't know. So when disappointment or bad things happen, boom, all we can do is say, Lord, if this is chastisement, I'm going, we have to consider whatever sin may be in our life and confess it. But we have to respond. I think the one thing we do, we respond to both with rejoicing in God. Now, here's just an interesting note before I try to work out a principle here. The people of Judah were serving fertility gods. This is interesting. The basis for their idolatry was to increase their crops and prosperity. Habakkuk names all of the major crops of the region and says that even if they all fell, God is still worthy of praise. That is the true heart of faith. Now, once again, though, they don't acknowledge, well, maybe they're worshiping fertility gods and God's going to possibly take all of that from them. That means this is chastisement. That means chastisement is that way. This is how this is how they try to handle this in the study guide. Life can be downright depressing at times. Habakkuk pleaded for God to rebuke the wickedness of his countrymen, but he became disheartened when he found out that the judgment would come in the form of Babylonian invasion of Judah. 
This is the very core of disappointment. You expect something that you that will improve your circumstances, but you receive something that makes your situation worse. Habakkuk didn't understand God's ways, but he still trusted in God's wisdom. Now, they, they acknowledge a little bit here that it's judgment, but they never, they just keep saying it's disappointing news. No, it's chastisement. That, that's what's happening here. I, I don't know why, once again, the study guy drives me so crazy when they ignore, we, look, we had to stumble through all of that, right? We had to struggle through all of that to try to develop some context here. And once we develop the context, we have seen. So we have at least one clear principle. We must see and acknowledge our responsibility and the disappointment we experience. That, that we have to, we have to see, right? Then number 37, we got to work out number 37. Man, this is going to go an hour as well. I apologize. But man, when, when he jumps into the middle of like Habakkuk, when he jumps into these minor prophets, there's just so much you're like, wait, What's going on? And just the verses before, we still don't have a good picture of exactly what's going on there, right? There's a lot of things I'm like, ah, uh, it would take, a, we, we, we would have to take, spend some considerable amount of time to pull, pull it together. What makes me mad is even in the study guide, they just ignore all of the previous, the verses pr- coming for, before it, they just ignore, let's not even mention them. Let's not even reference them. Let's just grab that last part and just rip it out of context. Oh, it drives me so crazy. But all right, here we go. I'm going to stu- I'm going to do this, and maybe you're going to disagree. I'm going to verify that uh nobody has said anything else in the chat because somebody may be yelling at me right now going, "You're missing the whole point. I know I shouldn't listen to you on 4th of July weekend." I know. Okay, may- maybe someone is not saying it just like that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, someone said uh, the second way, but that's hard to actually put into practice. Oh, I agree. It's, it's definitely hard to put into practice. I'm going to say this, and hopefully you'll, you'll see why. You'll see why, right? Because I've tried to draw a distinction between just disappointment versus chastisement. I hope you understand that there is a, there is a difference. However, from just your earthly life, sometimes you don't know if it's chastisement, you don't know if it's disappointment. So I'm going to do this. We must respond to disappointment, tragedy, I'm going to put the word tragedy because some of what's getting ready to happen to them is pretty tragic. Um, They're going to go into captivity for 70 years. I'm going to put tragedy and chastisement by rejoicing. I'm going to to use the King James here because I love the way it states it. Uh, Habakkuk 3.17, or 3.18. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. We must respond to disappointment, tragedy, and chastisement by rejoicing in God and our salvation. The reason we rejoice in God and uh, and in our salvation is no matter what happens, no matter how bad the chastisement is, no matter how bad the tragedy is, no matter how disappointing the circumstances are, it does not in any way, shape, or form touch, change, or affect your salvation. Your salvation is absolutely secure no matter if the world implodes in on itself no matter how much chastisement God has to pour upon you, your salvation is eternally secure because it's not based on what you do. It's based on what Christ did, right? That is very important. So we must respond to dis- disappointment, tragedy, and chastisement. I'm going to bring them together by rejoicing in God and our salvation.
And I want to do something with verse 19, but we're out of time. There's a, there was a famous book written uh, based off verse 19. There was a famous book in church history uh, written about verse 19 that we'll have to talk about. So here are the two principles we've ended up with on verse on day 20. Okay, a couple of, let's just review. Let's just summarize, right? 59 minutes. There's no way I can be done right at an hour, but I'm going to go as fast as I can. You ready to write fast? Here we go. I'm going to talk very fast. Right, here we go, right? Because I know you're busy. I know you got things to do. So let me go as fast as I can. Day 20, Charles Stanley presents to us a principle. The principle he presents is that disappointments are inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. And he takes from Habakkuk 3, uh, 17 through 19, but he does so in a way that ignores what the book is about. The book is about this. Habakkuk, the prophet, realizes how messed up everything is in the land. He asks God, what are you going to do about it? And God's like, oh, I've got a plan. I'm going to bring the Chaldeans. You're going to go into Babylonian captivity. You're getting ready. I'm going to do something about it, and which is an absolute shock and hard for him to comprehend or even understand that this ungodly, wicked people are going to come in to bring chastisement upon them. Charles Stanley ignores that in the entire study guide. I mean, he he barely mentions it, but he does, he, he, he sees this as just a, a, a case study in how to handle disappointment. Well, the reality is this is a case study in how to handle God's chastisement. That's really what it's a case study about. However, in real life, Sometimes we we may not know we, something horrible happens to us, and it may not be chastisement. It may be, so we have to learn to respond to no matter what we experience in the correct way. So the study guide rips these verses out of context. It provides a little bit of historical context, but still continues to ignore it throughout. And so these are the principles that we're going to end today with. We must see and acknowledge our responsibility in the dis in the disappointments we experience. In this case, Habakkuk or Judah needed to realize, hey, you're getting ready to suffer, but you've got to see your own fault, your own sin as a result of why you're about to suffer. And that seems to be forgotten in the study guide. They seem to overlook that, right? We have to see that. And this is why whenever you're doing reading a Christian book or even in many sermons and studies, you've got to you got to know the context of where things are being taken from so that you can see it correctly. If you don't see it correctly, an idea can be imposed on you that actually goes against the scriptures that are being cited, right? This is more than just how to handle disappointment. Their disappointment is a result of their actions. And if we ignore, if we, if we miss that principle, then so many times we will always see ourselves as the victim. In many cases, we're not the victim, we're the victimizer. It's our fault. Right? And then number 37 or number two for today, we must respond to disappointment, tragedy, and chastisement by rejoicing in God and our salvation. Now, that requires a lot more time to talk about, but I'm out of that time. So we will stop right there. There we go. I always hate when these end. I always hate when they end. I always hate when they end because I'm always left going, did, did we even come close? Did we even go? But we can clearly say that verse 17 through 19, we spent a little time working on it. Clearly, these are that the, that's Habakkuk speaking. 17 through 19 is clearly Habakkuk speaking because chapter 3, verse 1 identifies all of the chapter as a prayer of Habakkuk. There we go. We can be dogmatic about that. All right. I, I hope this was beneficial. I hope this. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I've ended this even more conflicted than I was. But you know what I need to do? No matter how conflicted I may be, no matter how disappointed I may be, even if it's my own fault for messing it up, I have to see and be rejoice in God and in my salvation. Because whether I did this right or did this wrong, my salvation is not touched by it. There you go. All right. You can email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. 
And to the person who participated today, thank you so very much. That was super encouraging. I hope I did not waste an hour of your time. Maybe you have a little bit better. You, I know what you're probably thinking. Man, there's those verses in Habakkuk 3. I don't have a clue what those are about. I know. So you're welcome. You have, a, you have the rest of July, the fourth weekend, to figure them out. Now, at some point, we're going to have to come back to some of these passages because now, you know what? I, I just feel it. I don't know. Do you feel it? I feel it. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. It, it's it's going to happen. When we finish the book of Jude, I think a, a study of the minor prophets is coming. I, I just feel that it's going to happen. I feel, feel we're going to be doing some work in the minor prophets somewhere, right? I, I feel I feel it. I, I just think there's no way to avoid it. It's going to have to happen because once we cover something and I don't feel like we covered it appropriately, I circle back around to it. So anytime I, I, I do a podcast episode and I'm not happy with it, sooner or later, I find a way to incorporate that back into something so that I, that I can get a do-over so that I can uh, hopefully try to accomplish it. Because man, they're, they're like, what in the world? All right, so. We'll stop. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day, great weekend. Probably going to try to do maybe one, maybe one or two more things today. I don't know if I'll get to it. And then uh, Sunday, um, obviously church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night should all be live streamed if everything works correctly. And I don't know about uh, how much live streaming I'll be able to do like I typically do on a Sunday afternoon. It really feels like what people in the neighborhood is going to do because if everyone in the neighborhood is popping fireworks and I got a window right behind me, that would not be, that would not be very conducive to good uh, podcasting. So we'll just wait and see. So it may, and then of course, Monday, there's probably no way. So it may not be till Tuesday till I can get back, but you will get Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night from Victory Baptist Church if we can live stream that. So we'll, we'll make sure that the content still keeps showing up in your podcast feed and all the different apps. So keep checking. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless.